Welcome to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to the Deep Dive podcast. Getting ready to talk some Kraken hockey here with you, RJ. I was thinking, you know, before we get into like, you know, talking about how this was presented by Queen Anne Beer Hall and it's an awesome place to go watch away games like, like uh, you know, some people just found out after going this past week while the Kraken were on the road. Um, I was thinking, is this the first ever time we've had like a, an in-season deep dive podcast? where the Kraken have won every single game they've played between the last one and this one? You know what? It <laughs> it might be. Because uh, the only other time I could really think of would be that week where you were up here because I had COVID. Yeah. And I think they managed to fit a loss in there between the, <laughs> between the week endings. So uh, because they had another game real quick. So, yeah, this has got to be the first one. I think this is a, a big milestone. I, I think it is too, and if I was a better podcast host, I would have done that research ahead of time. <laughs> but <laughs> but I think it is just just because we both have pretty good memories about this. Uh, I, I I think it is. Um, so that's that's a fun way to kick off this episode of the deep dive. Everybody, as I said earlier, presented by Queen Anne Beer Hall. Um, RJ, I think the first thing we have to talk about though is situation that occurred today, and that was the mini mic came back out in the Kraken locker room asking the question of who would you not want to drive your car? Who is the worst driver? Who would you not trust with your car? Something along those lines. And um, there was a name that kind of frequently popped up in there, RJ. Yeah, there was. Uh, and it's always great when the mini mic comes back out. You got some really, really good quotes from the players here. But the name that came up most often uh, for who you wouldn't trust to drive your car, it's Maddie Beneers. The guy who's in the captain's chair on that cool looking video where we're coming home on the ship, but uh, he can drive the boat. Guys don't want him driving their car. Yeah, that's what's so confusing is we literally get two pieces of like media from the crack of today. One in which I'm like all geared up and ready. I'm like, oh my gosh, they, they got, you know, Maddie's going to drive the boat back to Seattle from Pittsburgh. Cause that's you can do that. I'm sure there's a route somewhere you could take, and 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 Maddie Canal helps you a lot. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say probably gonna have to go through down there. Uh, you know, Maddie's he's in the captain's chair. He's he's got the little you know radio there, and and it just felt so natural, right? And then it was oh yeah. Uh, by the way, he can't back up a car unless it's got a rear view camera in it. Like if he can't, he's just stuck. Like oh man, like I, I now I have to see him try to parallel park. Like before I can get mm. back on Maddie Beneers being team captain, I gotta watch him parallel park. See, that's the final test, I guess, before naming a captain. Maybe they're all ready to give him the C at training camp, and then someone saw him try to parallel park, and they're like, let's let's hold off a year. <laughs> let's pump the brakes there, pun intended. Ha 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 ha. So Matt, Maddie, pump the brakes. You're about to hit them. <laughs> I know, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but okay, I mean, in his defense, though, because I, I do have a backup yeah. camera on my car. Yes, you And do. when I'm driving, like, say, my girlfriend's car that doesn't have it, I just don't trust myself. <laughs> I was going to say, it's you don't know rel what to do. learned reliance on it. I, I can make it work, but I don't know. You just, you can never be quite sure. I've, I've, uh, I was going to say, I'm, I'm trying to think, because, yeah, I don't. I don't have a backup uh, a camera in my car. We added one to like my mom's truck that I'll drive sometimes, but I never like turn it on when I'm in there. Uh, I probably should. And then I don't use it in my dad's car 
the few times I've driven his car, I just don't use it because it's just not habit for me. Like I'll, I actually right. I have used it when I'm like pulling up to a curb and like backing along the curb just to like make sure I'm not like too close to the curb or anything, scratch the wheels or something like that. But yeah, otherwise I don't know. I just old school. You know, my first car it was it was a truck. Parents got the year I was born. <laughs> <laughs> manual transmission little tiny ranger pickup uh I, i'm not used to the fancy stuff so i don't know I don't, I don't think it's that big a deal because you know spronger's name was thrown around in that video a lot too yep and i think for probably a different reason yeah. uh, it sounded to me with those comments like he drives a little bit like how he plays yeah. fast all offense uh you know i think with with your own car you know that that's fine but maybe some of the other guys wouldn't want him driving theirs that was definitely the impression I got too. Is if anybody's going to be caught speeding, it's probably going to be Spronger, and uh, that's the way to go. And so that's that was it was an interesting little segment. Of course, then you got Matty Beniers saying Will Borgen, and he's like, I drive with him every day. It's clearly Will Borgen. He was kind of putting up like a little bit of a defense, like maybe everybody was just out to get him. What do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, I suppose he probably has the most experience driving with Borgen. That's his roommate, as we actually found out last week. Yeah. That's really cool. Uh, but yeah, I think you got to go. And he throws Susie in at the very end, yes. too, just to make sure to take out that whole D pair. Yep. Because uh, he knows those two are probably going to gang up on him. I imagine Susie and Borgen would echo what each other was going to say. And that was true. Right. And, I mean, they, they were two of the people kind of leading that charge that Maddie was worse. So uh, it was it was an interesting video. The thing I liked about the video most, though, RJ, was it gave us, I feel like, our best look yet at everybody's Movember status. Wouldn't you yes, agree? Yes, it did. Yeah. yeah. Got those clear uh, close up face shots. Got to really see how the mustaches are coming along. Yeah. And I would like say, oh, let's spend some time talking about that. I don't think we need to because Carson Susie just wins. Yep. Runs away with it. Yanni Gord is the only other person who can compete. He's got the mustache all the time, though, so feels like it loses a bit of its effect. I was going to say, I, I like Will Borgens because it just makes him look like just the most generic person ever. Right? Like, he's just got, yeah. like, like the perfect, like, just generic mustache. And it, it's really kind of funny. And then, you know what? Props to Maddie. Just turned 20. It's pretty good. It is. No, I mean, certainly you got a grade on a curve. When you're talking about the mustaches and for age, I mean, you look at other players coming into the league when they were young. Uh, it's really good for for that level. Yeah, I was gonna say it's um, better than anything you or I could throw together. So, <laughs> oh yeah, even now <laughs> at twenty six and twenty eight. I was gonna say I haven't shaved in like forever. Still, just nothing in the middle there ever. Um, so, so there's that. Uh, you, you mentioned the roommate thing. We're going to talk about a different roommate situation that we also found out about during this past week. We're going to talk goalie situation. We're going to talk hack stall. We're going to talk playoffs maybe in the first week of November. But first, we're going to go game by game, talk about the amazing week that the Kraken had this past week on that road trip. And I think the first game we got to talk about, RJ, is the one game that you had to miss. And that was I this know. game against the Calgary Flames. So as somebody who, who wasn't there to experience it live, unfortunately, kind of what were your takeaways kind of pay, like, like as you were seeing updates from it. And then as you were like looking at this box score after the fact, I mean, cause I was checking in every now and again. So I'll just say real quick for the listeners. Um, 
I, I was not able to watch that game live, unfortunately. I had a, a speaking engagement at my uh, at my former college, so I was speaking to a class there. So I kind of only got to check every now and again. Um, but I, I saw, I, I think I went on around first intermission. So I kind of saw that what had happened in the first period. I'm like, hey, they're hanging with them. Um, and then I saw kind of midway through the third uh, as the Flames had taken that lead. And I'm like, well, you know what? It's they're flames are a good team you know they they they, they kind of got the better of them and the, the the kraken have just had so much so many problems sorry with the flames yeah. uh you know whether it was this preseason or back to last season i just, just figured okay it's yeah. one of those but i was so frustrated because we talked about this after the first penguins game the one in seattle mm-hmm. where if they could just get over that hump get that second win that we could see the way they were playing them just rattling off wins afterwards and i just yeah. felt like we're okay. We're back to the start again. Now we've got to, you know, get back to winning and, you know, get, see if they can get two in a row, all of that. But then when I saw the final score at the end, I just, I was like, they did it. I couldn't believe it, but they did it in regulation too. That's the thing that still impresses me when I think back to this game is the fact that the Kraken were able to pull off the comeback in regulation. They, they kept their foot on the gas in a big, big way. And that's just, really impressive because that's not something that um you know certainly nothing we saw from them last year and i think that was kind of that last piece that you would have thought maybe this group figures out later on in the season right you start with the rough games you build towards fighting and getting to overtime and then towards the end of the year everybody's clicking and everybody's confident the young guys are more solidified and ready to go and that's when you start winning those games in regulation but in this one It was just like once the comeback was on, it was just on. And there was nothing that Calgary could do to stop it. It's still weird to me going back and looking at the box score because you've got the Flames, you know, out shooting the Kraken 40 to 26. You've got them, you know, winning the faceoff battle 62 to 39 percent. Not sure how that equals 100 percent, but math's not my (laughs) not my jam, uh, as we all know. Um, you, You know, you've got those situations, but. But it was just one of those gutsy performances from the Kraken where you have Joey Decor come in and gets his first win as a Kraken. Got to mention that. And he makes the big time saves when he has to late in the game. And a lot of that comes after Haxtell takes a, a very good timeout. Uh, just, you know, a minute and 51 into the third after the Trevor Lewis goal, which put Calgary up 4-2 to start that third period. And it was one of those like, you know, it, it felt like definitely something that needed to happen and Haxtell did, mm-hmm. did do it. But obviously whatever he said, whatever the group told each other really worked because after that Calgary just had nothing. There was nothing Calgary could do. They could not sustain um, offensive zone pressure. The Kraken were beating them with speed, kind of going back the other way. That's the one thing the Kraken were able to do against the flames last season. If you remember was Calgary never really had um, a way of dealing with their speed. And then, and then you get a power play, you get the power play goal, and then you're within one things feel attainable. The PK that's stepped up in a big way after being, you know, dead last for a little while, or, or certainly towards the bottom there. I think Vancouver always managed to be worse than us. Uh, But you know, it was, it was really down there towards the bottom. And this is something to talk about too, for this, this week is did not allow an opposing power play to score all week long this past week yeah yeah and that's, and that's huge deal yeah yeah with how much the pk had struggled 
leading up to this week. I mean, of all the areas of the Kraken's game, that's the one they needed to solidify the most. Uh, because when you're giving up multiple power play goals, you know, in, in just about every single game, uh, it, it's going to be a bad time for you no matter what. Um, but I, I wanted to ask you about something about this because, right. again, I, I didn't really get the chance to go watch the full game. But uh, when I saw that the Kraken had completed the comeback and they ended yeah. up putting up five goals on Calgary, I thought back to a tweet that you made in the first period. Mm -hmm. And you said, I really like how the Kraken are attacking the Sutter system, yeah. finding gaps and charging through or utilizing the perimeter. That mixed with taking shots and testing the Flames backup netminder should be a recipe for success if they can keep it up. Mm -hmm. So... Again, I didn't watch the game, but it seemed to me like, okay, I guess they kept it up and it was really effective. And that's something we hadn't seen from the Kraken against the Flames much, you know, really ever. So what did they do to attack the Sutter system that, that finally worked? Yeah, well, that's what's interesting is I felt like they did that earlier on. I don't know that the that the last three goals that helped them complete the comeback are oh, okay. <laughs> like examples of it. That's one of the things that surprised me. But certainly at the at the beginning, like if you if you were to go back and rewatch that first period, one of the things that with like a Sutter system, right, like it's it's kind of designed to keep you away from the goaltender right like it's we're not going to let you beat us with a screen in front we're not going to let you here for rebounds our two defensemen are going to be kind of plastered there and they're just going to knock you on the ground if you come anywhere close to them and then the forwards are going to do a good job of establishing like kind of this perimeter around the slot they're going to make sure you can't ever get into a good scoring situation in the slot um or really be able to kind of take it down um down the side, close to the boards, try to drive the net from, from the outside. Like, we're not going to let you do that. The wingers are very, you know, are in positions where they can drop low and kind of prevent somebody from driving to the net from the sides. So what the Kraken were doing was they were like, okay, well, that, that leaves two gaps for us just to the side of either, you know, on either side of the slot, mm -hmm. there's a gap there. And as long as you hit that with enough speed, you're going to get through that first layer of defense and render the forwards completely out of the play because they're not, you know, the center in, in the system isn't playing low. Like most teams will have a, a center play low on defense because they have the defensemen pulled back so far. And so what was happening was they were attacking those two gaps and they were, they were coming down with speed. And what they were doing then was, you know, puck carrier takes it in on say the right side uh, kind of like this is kind of the way um, the Carson Soucy goal works. Puck carrier comes in with speed through that gap on the right side. Another Kraken player hits the gap on the left side with speed. And then the player on the right just passes it over to player on the left. And you've got a shot while the goaltender is moving laterally and the defense isn't really paying attention. They're not in a good position to make a play on you because they're pulled back so far. And and that's what the Kraken were taking advantage of. And, and it eventually you know breaks through with the Carson Soucy goal. Um I guess it kind of comes into play with the with the Maddie goal towards the end too, just because of the the whole idea of the collapsing defense and everything. But um, it was it was very evident for all of their good chances in the first period because they could have had a couple goals in that first period off of plays like that. They were just kind of unlucky with it, you know, hit a shot hitting a defenseman or something like that. But it was to me, it was kind of like this textbook example of hey, if you just attack up this Flames team like this you're going to score goals on them. Like, I don't know why more teams aren't doing it. And, you know, the Flames have really struggled after this game. Maybe more teams are doing it. I haven't, I can't watch say I've tape. watched the games, <laughs> but it's, it's clear to me that that is something that is, that is very vulnerable to them is this. If you hit the, the, their blue line with speed, you target those two gaps and then you just get that puck movement side to side, their goaltenders are pretty much helpless. Okay. No, that, that makes sense. Thank you for, for filling me in on that. 
Yeah. So um, there, there was that aspect of it. You get the shorthanded goal because, you know, the, the Kraken, as they've improved the PK, so too have they kind of brought back that power kill approach that we loved from them last season. You get a, you get a goal uh, from Yanni um, working off the basis of that. Just a fantastic goal in this one where he just creates his own turnover, comes in, scores. It was, um, you know, maybe if, if Markstrom's in there, this game goes a little bit different. Vladar didn't have his best night. You know, he, he looked like a backup. But uh, I, I still think that it was just... This game was about showing that the the Kraken are for real. They can hang with a good team. They can come back in a game like this, and they can finish it off in regulation. And I feel like this set the tone for the rest of the week as far as them just being a confident group that's going to go out there and play whatever their game plan is. They're going to approach that game plan with confidence. They're going to believe in it, and then they're going to make it happen because of that. Yeah, it was a statement win to, to really get over that hump. Yeah, because the next game we go into is we can transition over to the Minnesota game that the Kraken win um, uh, for nothing. It, it was the kind of the same thing. Like they had an obvious game plan on how to limit the wild. The wild little banged up right now. They don't maybe have their their big kind of bruisers in their lineup. They're having to rely a little bit more on some of their skill game. Uh, and the Kraken just did a really good job of never letting them get into a rhythm, never let them set a tempo, never let them kind of get yeah, just get into their rhythm as far as how they want to set up in the offensive zone. This is a team that doesn't necessarily want to attack off a transition or attack off a rush. They want to set up in the zone and Kaprizov wants to find that soft spot on the defense and get open or Erickson Eck wants to just kind of drive the net with the puck or kind of be there for a rebound. And the Kraken did a really good job of never letting them do that. Yeah, I mean, they really came into their own and, and played that wild team exactly as you should. Uh, they had a very good road period in the first. Yep. Uh, one of the most low event periods I can remember seeing this it season boring, or otherwise. To be honest. <laughs> yeah, I remember it was like half an expected goal combined between the teams. Um, so, you know, they settled in just fine. And then they broke things open in the second period, as the Kraken are very good at doing. Um, and that second period, I remember, started with a very dangerous first shift because it was a three minute shift for the Dunn Larson yes. D pair. They were just trapped in their own zone. Uh, so definitely some, uh, you know, nail biting moments at that point. Um, but after that, able to recover, able to put on some offense, the fourth line continuing uh, yeah. to get it done and score, uh, you know, the power play, it just felt like everything was coming together in that game. It really did. And I think the fourth line is another kind of just narrative of this week, right? Like obviously Morgan geeky, just, scoring goals basically every night now that's just his thing uh and that's and that's really cool to see but you know this this game you also get Shane Wright coming in and centering the third line and getting the most playing time that he's had and he looked he looked solid uh he was out there for a couple goals which I think is going to be really good for his his confidence moving forward um gets all that ice time gets that power play ice time which I think was really important for him as far as feeling confident in you know just his his puck handling and his ability to get open like like under you know feeling like he's understanding the game right because especially as you've been someone who's been a healthy scratch through all of this i gotta think that 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 doubt and that thought has crept in there at some point where it's just about like i don't feel comfortable when i'm out here i don't feel like i i know you know entirely what i'm doing as far as getting behind a defense or or being open in a way that I can then create chances or work with my teammates. And so I think that the power play time is going to be really, really good for him 
uh, when it comes to building that confidence. Uh, I talked about it in that one. Could have been more physical. Could have gone in, you know, to the corners a little bit more along the boards, board battled. Um, but that that stuff again just comes with confidence. Needs those reps. Um, but he looked really, really solid. And then yeah, depth just kind of got things done. And of course, Wenberg figuring out how to score without needing to shoot. That's big. Yeah, exactly. And I, that was what I was going to go to next if you didn't bring it up, because we have to talk about yes. that. Uh, that Alex Wenberg goal where it ends up rolling off his back. A puck you know, flips up in the air, ends up rolling off his back and into the net. But I, I love that Piper asked him about this at the intermission because it looked to me like he like he was trying to headbutt that puck in. That was what the call on the ice was, that it hit yeah. his head. They realized he actually didn't make contact. But yes, Wenberg said my first instinct was to actually try and head it to the left side, which yeah. you could tell it was that textbook soccer head flick motion. Yep. I mean, he just has it down. You can tell he's a pretty good soccer player. Uh, you know, He's good at moving the puck with his feet. We've seen that in a few other plays this season and last season. And yeah, true to form, he tried to head the puck, not into the net, over to the left to kind of make a pass to someone. Uh, but good for him that he didn't make contact. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it was a it was a nice play. Fortunate bounce for the Kraken. Uh, not too much you could say like after that. Uh, but then for the second goal, getting that amazing tip off of just such a such a tippable shot from Will Borgen, right? Like that is just textbook perfect. How you'd want to draw it up if there was no defense on the ice. You'd want a guy in front like that, maybe getting a little bit of a screen on the goaltender, but stick on the ice, able to just create a ramp for a shot and send it up over the goaltender's shoulder. Yeah. I saw that a bunch last season when they did those four on O five on O drills. Uh, that's exactly how you draw it up when there's no defenseman there. Uh, but guess what? This season, they're not doing that. They're practicing, you know, five on four, you know, yeah. five on five, things like that. Uh, and what do you know? He can make that play happen when there's a defender on him. Yeah. And he made it happen in part because the wild were so gassed on that shift. And so they weren't able to appropriately deal with him uh, physically. They weren't able to really, they just didn't have anything left to really try to outmuscle him or, or get him moved out of his spot. And this is something that I want the Kraken to keep in mind. I, I mean, they probably already are, but I'm just going to, you know, kind of try to speak it into existence a little bit. The Kraken, especially these top two lines for them have been so good at keeping the puck in the offensive zone. The cycle game, especially on that Wenberg line with um, Burakovsky and Bjorkstrand, they just they could they you can tell that they're wearing out the opposing team because they almost get zero transitions going back the other way because the team always has to do a line change after they were out there because that line just is so good at sustaining pressure, keeping the puck in the offensive zone, just moving it around, moving it around, moving it around, wearing guys out, and so I'd love for them to. As they recognize, hey, we've got a good matchup tonight. We're able to really work this, you know, this D pair or this opposing line we're up against. I'd like for them to kind of consider doing that stuff more where you have a defenseman walk the puck along the blue line more towards the slot because they can. You know, the wingers aren't going to be up there pressuring him. You can get a guy more net front to work a screen, be there for a rebound or be there to ramp up a puck if you need to. But I, I felt like that was something that, you know, the Kraken, they've had other chances to do this, and I'd like to see them operate the way they did for that goal more often. Yeah, and if I can kind of go off into a little aside here, because I, this is kind of touching on something I wanted to talk about, and it, it's been a point of emphasis 
by Dave Haxtell. And he's talked about this really from the start of the season, mentioned it again today after practice, but taking care of the puck when you have it, especially mm-hmm. in the offensive zone as a way of not just tiring out the other team and generating those chances for yourself, but about limiting chances against, because when you're careful with the puck, when you take care of the puck, when you have it, uh, you don't give it to the other team in a position where they can come back at you and get scoring chances where you have to work really hard to get that puck back. And that's something that even when uh, we kind of brought up defensive breakdowns, and by we, I mean like the media asking him questions all throughout the season, when we brought up things like defensive breakdowns, when we brought up things like uh, odd man rushes and problems with that, that's the element that he would always go back to is we have to take care of the puck when we have it. And that's something you've really seen the Kraken improve on a lot. And it really showed during this road trip. Uh, And it's, not the easiest thing to see because when there is a breakdown, when you don't take care of the puck, it's coming back your way. And usually with no, you know, odd numbers. And so you kind of notice it at that point, once the other team has the puck, but you got to rewind a little bit mm-hmm. and see those decisions that the Kraken are making when they have it, when they have the puck to take care of it. So I wanted to mention that as well, because the other part of this game, it was a shutout. They yep. made things really manageable on their goalie. They took away a lot of those kind of chances and you can, generate your own chances like on that Wenberg goal while taking them away from the other team by being careful with that puck. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's really important to talk about. It was something I was going to talk about when we talk about Haxtell a little bit later. Oh, sorry. I, no, no, it's all good because I, I can talk about it now because it, it does feel like that's a massive improvement over last year. That's something that killed them in so many games last season was all those odd man rushes going back the other way, you know, whether it was the defenseman pinching up or it was trying to pass cross zone. So you're sending the puck through the middle of the ice where it's easy to pick off with, you know, momentum for the other team. And, and I did feel like that was something that hurt them against Vegas this year, against Carolina this year, and those really bad losses where, where we were all just like, oh my gosh, it's just all, it's last year all over again. I feel like that's one of those things that Hackstall has really worked with the players. The team has really worked to tighten up and, and you're just not seeing that anymore. You're not seeing those cross ice passes anymore. It is clear now what this, what the Kraken cycle game is, right? It's taken us, you know, a year and a half or whatever, but it's clear now what their cycle game is. And it's, and it's going to be to stick to the perimeter. You saw it with Shane Wright, because I feel like Shane Wright is in a position where you're going to see him more than any other player just kind of stick to like the playbook so to speak right because is just the situation he's in as the young guy coming in he's he's kind of overthinking everything he he wants to make sure he's pleasing the coaches right and so you you saw it especially in this game whenever he had the puck you can tell based on the situation whether or not he was supposed to send it back down low to the corner send it to the net for a shot or send it back to his defenseman. And he was making those those decisions very fast, and he was very confident in those decisions, but I think that's because they've been working on this in practice. Everybody knows where they're supposed to be. The system is in place, and it's working, and I'm so, so happy to see it, RJ. Yeah, absolutely love to see it. I, I'm just so happy talking about this stuff, too. I know it's, you know, kind of the, the X's and O's in the weeds here, but it, it really just, it's the kind of thing that brings both of us joy. Yes, it does. And it's the kind of thing that, that leads to wins. And I think that's very important as well. That brings everyone joy. That definitely brings everyone joy. I definitely do enjoy doing those post games uh, more than the losses. I will tell you that. Uh, okay, so then uh, we'll get into the last game from the week, which was their uh, their second and final game against the Penguins this season. Until they meet in the Stanley Cup Finals. What? 
No, that would be that would be <laughs> go in there already. Okay, that would be awesome. Let me go put a futures bet on that real quick. Uh, I'd probably get good odds with the Penguins right now. Um, okay, yeah. so so we talked about this one going in. We knew that this one might end up being the toughest battle of the road trip, just because the Penguins were in a six-game slide. They were going to be highly motivated. You could just see it on Sidney Crosby, Genie Malkin, Chris Letang, all those guys' faces that they were going to really they really wanted to win this game like everybody uh and you know they come out Crosby gets a goal early you're like all right that's not what we want to see uh but Vince Dunn not too long after you know gets what what it's not technically a response goal but it's it's close enough to a response goal and uh and then you go into the third period it was a tough third period. It was a tense third period. It was a nice back and forth third period. Uh, they were all very good things, but the Kraken, again, able to get it done. Martin Jones comes up huge in this game, making some pretty big saves for them as they get outshot 37 to 28. Like this was a very motivated Penguins team that, you know, gave, gave the Kraken all that they could and the Kraken were able to withstand the barrage and, and take advantage of the counter punching opportunities that the Penguins gave them. And that's how you ultimately get like the game winner from Brandon Tanev. You said it perfectly. I mean, the Penguins came as advertised, the Kraken were outplayed in each of the first two periods. Really? Yeah. They withstood the barrage. Like you said, they kind of absorbed those punches and then ended up with their counter punches in the, in the third period. Uh, and they didn't get kind of distracted. They didn't, uh, get off their game when there were a couple crazy bounces too. the Kraken were the beneficiaries of that first one on the, uh, on the Yanni Gord yeah. goal, but then they get another bad bounce with the puck going in right off of Maddie Benier's stick on just, uh, just a tough break, just bad luck. Uh, but, they didn't let that distract them from their game at all. They stuck with it. And even though uh, if they didn't have the, that huge comeback like they did against Calgary, which is just probably, you know, maybe more difficult to do when you're down two goals in the third, they didn't have that dominating performance like they did against Minnesota. But I think this Pittsburgh game is the one that they can feel most proud of, of any on that road trip because of how difficult it was, uh, yeah. because of how hard the Penguins were playing and also it being the end of the road trip. You're yep. tired at that point. Uh, and it felt like a playoff game too. Mm -hmm. It's something we mentioned on post game, but it really had that atmosphere to it, especially in the third period. It felt like playoff yep. hockey. Part of that was the refs, uh, yep. you know, put their whistles away, you know, for both teams. Um, and it just, the, the pace still kept with it. And you could tell both teams were emptying the tank at that point. And that's what you get in playoff hockey. Uh, and so for the Kraken to be able to win a game like that, I think says a lot about who they are as a team. It, it really does. This was a week of, you know, you, you win all three games, but you win all three games in, in very different ways. You win that Calgary game by just never giving up, never giving in, and just, you know, being that team that is just, you know, kind of puts your foot in the ground or your skate in the ice, I guess. And you, <laughs> and you just say, like, we're not losing this game. Like, we're walking out of here with two points, and there's just nothing you can do to stop it. Uh, we don't, we, you know, we don't kind of care what you do. Uh, we're going to make sure that we do more. And and then you get the, the Minnesota game, which was just, hey, we game planned better than you. And you, we're just not going to let you ever even get started. Uh, we're just going to control things top to bottom. And then you get this Penguins game where it's just, hey, we're going to we're going to make sure that we we pick our chances and we make the most of those chances um, because, you know, we feel like it, that's that's what we need to do in this one. It felt a little bit like they were. Um, punching up a little just to keep that motif going. <laughs> and um, 
and and that's that's what they did and is again it's all three of those things are things that we did not see last season right the roster the team the the, the where they were at chemistry wise the fact that they didn't get a, a regular training camp you're dealing with all the covid stuff you got to see you know the season shutting down basically in december it it was never conducive to the kraken getting to a place where they could pick one of those things much less try to string together all three and three distinct wins all within a week uh so for them to be able to do that i think shows that they are a lot farther along than even some of us who were more optimistic about them might have might have thought they were yeah i think so uh, and it's to see these kind of results too it, it really does put more credence in the idea of not i don't want to call them the excuses but the reasons that you know they couldn't succeed last yeah. season it almost paints a clearer picture of that when you go back and look at it too because uh, until they turn things around until they show you can do it uh, then it all rings a little bit hollow like i think it did for a lot of us last yeah. season but um but i think this reflects well on <laughs> on at least last season too yes now uh, you know that that would set up a good segue to talk kind of briefly about the playoffs but instead i want to finish talking about Hackstall real quick because this Penguins game um, does does show something that I want to talk about. We talked about how they've cleaned things up in the offensive zone and that's how that's helped them not get killed in the transition game, which was one of the main ways teams were taking advantage of them. I think this Penguins game though shows how um, still where the where the Kraken need to kind of tighten up or or where their areas of struggle are and what they need to work on to try to avoid those. And one of the things that the the Penguins are very good at exploiting and and not every team is, so it's not always a worry. But when you're playing teams like the Penguins, it's a worry. Is the ability to kind of create a cycle game against you. Like anytime an opposing team is able to get any sort of sustained pressure in the Kraken zone, it's clear that the Kraken defense starts breaking down. The forwards, I feel like the forwards do a very good job in transition now. They've they've managed to really work on that a lot, which they needed to. But I feel yeah. like the I, I'm still not seeing a cohesive unit out there of defensemen and forwards. It feels like two separate units that aren't really aware of what's going on. Um, you'll see a lot of times the, uh, a Kraken defender will dip down below the goal line. The other one will go to the side of the net, and then the center just never covers the front of the net. And the next thing you know, someone's just sitting there. Um, I think when it comes to the the defensemen and and really the wingers the wingers don't really dip low in this defense at all um you saw the penguins really exploit that they love to work low but off to the sides right and and every time they just were able to sit there you could have Sidney Crosby sitting there doing whatever he wanted Jake Gensel sitting there doing whatever he wanted Kenny Malkin doing whatever he wanted so I think that's something that that they need to work on because I don't feel it the Kraken wingers really pressure opposing blue lines all that much either. So they just kind of hang out in this like kind of no man's land. I'd like them to at least pick one of those two directions. Like if you're going to take the defense away, that's fine. You know, the opposing defenders away, that's fine. You can work on that with a, with a system um, with your defenseman and your center playing down low, uh, which is probably what they should be doing given that they have guys like Matty Beniers, Yanni Gord. They're very capable of playing low and coming back defensively. Um, so I'd like to see that, but I, I just felt like that's something that gives them problems in the defensive zone is they, they don't really know how to handle teams that are playing off to the sides, but lower in the zone. And I feel like just any sort of prolonged period, there's not good communication or there's, or it's just not, you know, instinctual yet as far as, Hey, if I see one of my defensemen do this as a forward, I now have to cover this gap. 
Like that just doesn't feel like it's there. But again, we're only 13 games into a season. They've done a lot of work already. That might be, you know, just asking too much <laughs> at, at this point in time. The other thing is they've gotten really good at, at dealing with pressure and uh, and rushes coming back at them. Um, they've gotten very kind of passive and they kind of like to create a wall at the blue line. And they kind of try to suffocate the opposing puck carrier as they enter the zone. The one thing, though, that they can't seem to figure out, and this happened in both the Calgary game and the Penguin game, is if an opposing team, once, once their puck carrier hits center ice, if they pass across the neutral zone, because the Kraken are all backed up at their blue line, if they pass across the zone to someone at the other, at the other end of the rink to enter the zone, that person enters the zone clean 100% of the time. Every single time they're entering uncontested, Kraken need to be a little bit more aware of that. They start kind of all bunching towards whoever has the puck and all the penguins and flames were had to do was just in that, you know, last little bit of ice was send a nice pass across the way and hit somebody in stride and they could just walk right in. And then you're dealing with playing catch up because you're so stacked at the zone. The other team has now entered your zone with speed. All the times that the Kraken ran into problems this week, I felt like it was those situations where they were they were playing back. They're all looking at Martin Jones. And as you know, we've, I've talked about in the past, not a situation you want to find yourself in when playing defense mm. is looking at your goaltender. So that's the other thing that I, I feel like the Kraken need to work on as we continue this season. Now, real quick, what, what's the what's the fix to that? How What's the adjustment to be made on that one? I mean, do you want the defenseman kind of stepping up and holding that blue line, but you risk that that pass gets by you yeah. and then you could have a more dangerous chance? Or do you want the like one of the forwards maybe coming back to apply some backside pressure on that forward while the defenseman backs up? I mean, what's the adjustment there? That's what that's kind of what I feel like, because, you know, I want it to look more like their PK. To be perfectly honest, they've they've kind of shifted away from the one one two on the PK to like a one zero three, if you want to call it that, where they have like one really aggressive forward, and then the the you know your other three defenders all really hang back at the blue line and try to keep everything in front of them. Um, I I would want to see something like that where you can have your your defenders, your two defensemen play more conservative. Um, but right now, what you're seeing is you're seeing the center and whatever you know, side it's on, you're seeing that winger both commit to the puck carrier as they try to cross um, the the center ice line. And instead, I'd like to see maybe just that winger harass them while the center plays just kind of in that gap and tries to take away a passing lane. Like you don't need both people crashing down on them every play. And I feel like that's what we're seeing a lot from the Kraken. It's no, let one winger go and, and, and pester that uh, puck carrier. Let the other person play in the, um, in the passing lane, try to take it away. And then you have your, you know, the off side winger playing back just as an extra person. If you need them to, I feel like that's the adjustment I would like to see just to see. Cause again, you have smart centers. You've got a Maddie Beneers. You've got a Yanni Gord. They can read the play. They can see when the pass is coming. They can see where they're going to pass it to. Um, I think what it'll do is you're going to see a lot more of the opposing team passing back to their defensemen and completely stalling out their rushes. They got to reset. You're killing time. You're, you're keeping them from getting in a rhythm. And, and I think that'll be, you know, another way of the Kraken kind of shutting things down on opposing teams. Okay. So just to, just to kind of cap this off here, cause I want to address a couple things yeah. you, you said earlier too. Um, instinct, instinctual. I think that's the word you use. That's, that's what I would use to describe yeah. it too, as far as uh, the forwards, the defense kind of, playing as separate units almost um it's just the kind of thing that that needs to build mm -hmm. and then you talk about that communication too and defending as a five-man unit is kind of what the the term that's thrown around that's another one i think of the 
of all the the you know those terms that Hackstall has thrown out there consistently over the course of this season, uh, taking care of the puck, yeah, yep. that's number one, and defending as a five man unit has to be or playing as a five-man unit has to be up there in the top three so it's something that is being worked on and given their improvement in that taking care of the puck area i do have some confidence that they'll be able to kind of gel as a five-man unit a little bit better going forward a thousand percent agree like like this is not like me criticizing hackstall in any way this is not me feeling like the crack and like oh my gosh this is a big problem because the other was a big problem the other was costing them yeah. games. They were they were never going to be an above 500 team the way that they were playing before. And so that was definitely the thing that needed to be addressed first. They have addressed it. This would just kind of be like, a, you know, if you do this, this team is S tier. Like, they're just not going to really lose <laughs> any games. You know what I mean? And so it, I just wanted to throw it out there as like, a, hey, this is, in my opinion, kind of that next step. The Kraken really fixed all that other stuff really fast like i said it's kind of odd that we're actually seeing that much improvement from one team 13 games into a season it's pretty unusual so again all credit to hackstall the coaching staff and the players for you know listening to that message really having it become muscle memory having it become instinctual for them and then going out and executing against all of these different teams they're doing such a good job of that i really want to highlight that and 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 talk about how important that is and how cool it is that they're doing that. Um, but yeah, I just thought that, you know, these two things, these were the only two times the Kraken struggled this whole week. And so I just wanted to kind of talk <laughs> about them and, and, and float it out there. Um, but, but yeah, if you don't have anything else uh, to, to add to it, then we can move on. Yep. Let's on to the next. All right. So the next is playoffs. I just want to talk about that real quick. Playoffs. Uh, I know it's like way too early. Playoffs. It's way too early <laughs> to talk about playoffs. I know. I know. And I'm sure I'll get plenty of comments about it, but I did want to say that, you know, Hey, Kraken are second in the division and because they're playing so good and because we're seeing them win in different ways, which is something good teams do. Um, I want to, you know, just say, I think this team could make the playoffs. Yeah, and as much as I just went Jim Mora on you, I, know. I think they actually, you know, the way that they're playing, they do have a shot. Yeah. Uh, and and more of a shot than I, I think either of us would have thought at the start of the season. Uh, the fact that they're, you know, if you check the standings right now, they're right there in that hunt. I mean, actually, I haven't checked that for today's games, but I think they're still second in the Pacific Division. Yep. Um, outright second in the Pacific Division. Yep. Um, so, I mean, that kind of performance is going to put you in that hunt. And uh, there's been a lot of research done about, um, you know, kind of where you have to be at different points in the season. American Thanksgiving is a big milestone uh, as far as, you know, who's in, who's out, and, and that being a good predictor of who ends up making the playoffs and not. And I think the Kraken are in a really good spot, spot by the time that date rolls around uh, to maybe be in the top eight in the West. Yeah, I, I think they're going to be in good shape because uh, it's not just based on you know points and stuff, right? Because for a while it was like, okay, well, they had played kind of significantly more games than some other teams in their division. But no, I mean, at this point, they're, they're solidly there when it comes to points percentage. I mean, they're the only, it's Vegas and them. Those are the only two teams above 600. Vegas is above 800. We don't need to talk about that. But but they're the only two teams in this division above 600. They're one of three teams in this division with a positive goal differential. Right? Like these are the, those are things that start suggesting to me that that there that there's something actually there. This could be for real. It isn't just like a oh, we got lucky for a couple games and it's early in the season so that sample size means more. Um, I, I think those are things that kind of suggest that hey, they're going to be in this battle late into a season and you know 
going back to preseason, that's all we wanted. We wanted to just not yes. be out of it by like New Year's. <laughs> like, hey, like <laughs> make us feel like this is reasonable at the end of the year. I would take that. Now it's feeling like this could be reasonable right till the end. And so wanted to highlight that. Wanted to congratulate the Kraken. You guys are doing great. It's, uh, thank <laughs> yeah, you for good that. Good job, everyone. But <laughs> this is something we talked about last week, though, when we really did that deep dive into the underlying numbers. And this was yeah. before they had rattled off all the wins that we're talking about this week. The underlying numbers looked pretty darn good. They did. They were driving possession. They they're getting a majority of chances when they're out there. They've got, you know, you're getting depth scoring, which is again something that you can't always rely on, but it's an indicator of of a team that can you know certainly make the playoffs. And then anytime you've got your two lines just being so dominant when it comes to having the majority of chances when they're on the ice, it's I mean it's hard for that to go wrong. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is when you have so many things clicking like that. Um, and that's it's just a reason to be more confident because when you see the underlying numbers looking good, but they just can't string together two wins in a row, yeah. uh, there's still a lot of doubt in your mind. But when the wins follow like they did this week, I think it's time to really start talking about it being for real. Yep. Uh, okay, so let's move to the next um, topic that uh, I have here, and that's goaltending, because I feel like this is one of the places... That And we're going to talk about like kind of two sides of the goaltending thing here. Um, but I, I feel like just coming off of what we were just talking about, I feel like that's one of the things, one of the places where we could see it go wrong, so to speak, right? Where if, uh, you know, if this team was to not make the playoffs, I still think goaltending would be probably the most likely cause of that. Uh, just because right now we're seeing Martin Jones. He's playing like vintage Martin Jones. It's 2016 all over again, baby. I absolutely love to see it. But... It's only Martin Jones right now, right? Joey Decor came in. He was there for that Calgary game. He got that win. He's not going to be able to hang up here forever. Grubauer is going to come back at some point. We still really need to see what Grubauer looks like this year. And got to see what he's going to be like after this injury. Because as we know with like Chris Drieger last year, it took him a while before he really you know, was Chris Drieger again. Um, and then, yes, looking further down the road, you're going to have Chris Drieger re-entering the equation and, and trying to deal with having all three of those goaltenders, um, to, you know, assuming Drieger is able to come back this season. I still think that might be more of an if than a win, personally. Um, but mm. I, I, it just feels like, to me, this is the one where if Martin Jones starts to get overworked and Grubauer can't really come back from the injury and be 100%, that's where things could go wrong for this team. Yeah, it's still definitely an area where there's some question marks. As good as the goaltending has been of late, yep. uh, it's still a, a one-man goal. It's not really a tandem. It's just a, a one-man uh, goalie show here, and, and that man is Martin Jones. And he's playing really well, but you know, as we've seen time and time again just in, in hockey, when you have just the one goalie, uh, things can go wrong. A goalie can get overworked and it can be difficult schedule wise. I mean, looking forward, you know, kind of the next couple of weeks on this homestand, thankfully uh, it's separated out where you don't have this busy schedule like the Kraken have had. I think they might have to just continue to lean pretty heavily on Martin yeah. Jones. Uh, Cause I think they, they probably trust him more than Joey Decord in net for a big game right now. And I maybe don't blame them. I, I would trust uh, Martin Jones a lot given his, these recent games, but 
it is still kind of built on this shaky foundation <laughs> uh, where you can't be sure where it's going going forward. And you certainly can't have Martin Jones starting, you know, 80 to 90% of your games for an entire season. Uh, even if he continues to play well, we we've seen him and many great goalies just get burnt out yeah. uh, at that point. So you have to come up with a solution and, you know, Grubauer just has to be okay. I think that's really what it rests on. Because if he's not, if he continues to deal with those injury problems, if he can't get back to being himself, I think the the Kraken are are kind of destined to struggle in net. Because I I like Joey Decord. You know, he's he had that first win, and that was a big win for him. He battles no matter what the yes. score is. He battles. Um, but when you're talking about winning these like three, one games, like you do have to against the penguins and teams like that. He hasn't shown that he can put in one of those games yet. And that's kind of a future test for him. Now, as far as Chris Drieger, they've got an interesting decision to make there. Mm -hmm. And I will say based on what I'm just kind of hearing around, it would really surprise me if he did not come back at some point. This okay. Season. So that's, that's kind of my, again, I don't have any insider information really, but based on kind of the rumblings I'm hearing, I'd be very surprised if he didn't come back at all. As for when, I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, we're definitely not going to know that one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, you never know. I mean, some people handle, you know, recovery from surgery really, really well. Um, and, and everything just clicks and, this, you know, the surgery takes and the ligaments able to all heal and, and it all works. Um, I'd love for that be the, to be the case for Drieger. Uh, I just... Yeah, it's it's just it's such a significant injury for someone at that position. That's why I'm just I don't know. I don't know. It just feels like so much. But yes, Martin Jones, um, we saw this back when he was, you know, when the Sharks really leaned on him. Yeah, 2015, 16, 65 games, 16, 17, 65 games, 60 games the next year, 62 the year after that. And all those years, you could just watch his stats, you know, go down, 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 down. Right. As he's just getting worked way too much um the bottom line is that that kind of schedule is just too much for anybody these days outside of apparently you know vasilevsky he's like the only guy who could kind of seemingly handle it and 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 all the playoff runs and everything and it just never seems to get to him uh maybe he's the new russian machine never breaks i don't know uh but uh it's uh I just, you know, I just don't want Martin Jones to have to be put in that position because maybe he does handle it right. Like there's certainly that that that's a possibility where he handles it well this year and then it would be like the next year where that breakdown happens. Um, but I just I don't want to have to rely on that. And right now it looks like that's going to be what they're going to have to rely on. And that just worries me. And so I, you know just needed to take us off the high of being like, wow, this really looks like a playoff team too. <laughs> Look at how scary this looks. <laughs> I feel bad. I know. Yeah. I mean, really, you just have to hope that Grubauer is able to get back on the ice yep. as soon as possible and, and return to being himself. Uh, Cause when the season started, the big question mark in this goalie tandem was Martin Jones. And yep. I think he's answered pretty much all those questions to this point. Uh, if you can just get Grubauer back to, you know, even a, a high percentage of where he used to be, uh, then you've got a really good goalie tandem here. Exactly. And especially with how well this team is playing now, because we only saw Grubauer when they were like defensive breakdowns. Let's just feed an opposing team's transition with sloppy passes. You know what I mean? Like we haven't seen. Yeah, Grubauer I want to see Grubauer behind this team. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> that's that's definitely where where I think we're both at. That's fun. Um, let's talk Shane right now. 
Is that one of the other big stories of this past? Week? Did we did we want to did we want to handle Joey Decord real quick? Oh yeah, yeah. Why don't you, why don't you go ahead and, and explain the Joey Decord situation? Just because we are recording this Monday night, everybody. Just so you yes. Know. It just <laughs> so uh, real quick, yeah. On the subject of goaltending, there's there's been some um, some roster movement there that I know uh, has confused some people, my, myself and Dylan included, to be yes, honest. Yes. Uh, we had to look into this, um, but last night so that being sunday night uh there was a transaction made where joey decord was sent down to the ahl and uh goalie chris gibson was sent up or christopher gibson was sent up to the nhl kind of this goalie swap there um and a lot of people were wondering well why is this happening what's going on there um and then today it was kind of swapped back where joey decord uh you know up to the nhl gibson back to the ahl and uh i we haven't gotten an official explanation from anyone on the team but after digging into this i believe this was an effort in an effort to shield joey decord from waivers at some point in the future so the way that this works uh when a player clears waivers as joey decord did uh earlier this season they have um basically a, a a clock as far as games played or days on the roster uh that they have to clear in order to require waivers again so joey decord won't require waivers until he hits 10 games played in the nhl or a cumulative 30 days on an nhl roster so the latter is what we're going to be kind of covering here he's on i believe day 16 of that 30 because he's had to be with the kraken for a while with the grubauer injury and what I think the Kraken did here is basically send him down for a day where they didn't really need him because they don't have a game or a practice or anything. And that way you save a day toward those 30 cumulative days just through this paper transaction. Um, and, you know, it's just a little bit. It's just one day. But depending on when Grubauer comes back, that could make all the difference. Yeah. And and I think that that's exactly what we're seeing here. And it's it's pretty sneaky, pretty sneaky. Um, but it, I every day could end up mattering and um i'm trying to look ahead at the schedule here the next time you could see this happening would be tuesday the 15th uh, yep. I, I feel like that's the only other day because you really do need that kind of a couple days off in a row where you can maybe make that happen i mean maybe you see that this wednesday on the 9th like after the nashville game you do it on wednesday but at some point you're only buying so many days and yeah. it's like you it's it's a dangerous game you're playing at that point because you know it's it's kind of signaling that grubauer is not ready yet like if if they're really that worried about right now kind of picking up a day here a day there then that signals to me that they're very worried um about uh or they're not worried about when grubauer can come back but it signals that he's not like oh it's you know right around the corner at the end of the week yeah. he'll be back and, and when a player's week to week, that's that's the nature of it. Exactly. And I understand the worry because you look around the NHL right now, RJ, and there's like a million goaltenders injured. And I'm slightly exaggerating. It's only 10,000. But still, it's a lot of goalies <laughs> around the league. There's a lot of teams right now that are like, hey, we need literally any warm body we can get. <laughs> and Joey yep, Decord. All around, all around the league. Yeah, and Joey Decor would definitely fit that bill for for all these teams. I mean, he's even better than that. So, uh, you, I don't see him clearing waivers if you have to, if when that has to happen. Yeah, if that were to happen right now, no, I don't see him clearing waivers. So it's something the Kraken have to be wary of. Yeah, so that's I think that's also what's kind of fueling this. Let's try to pick up every day that we can. Um, 
we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, do you think that they would, if they're really worried about losing Joey, would they send him down and and just bring up Gibson for like the a last week or something, right? Like they're you're just if, about at the deadline, so you send down Joey <laughs> and you bring up Gibson and you just hope to ride Jones. Let's think. If you know that you're riding Jones, I would think maybe it's a possibility. I could see it. Or, um, yeah, I don't know, maybe, maybe a Callum Booth since he seems to be playing better right now. And because I wanted to get every single goalie in the organization mentioned <laughs> on this, on the, not in the organization, but uh, under contract uh, mentioned on this podcast. Yeah, because um, I'm, I'm trying to think if, if today's day 16-ish, got like another two weeks. So you're looking at that, that what, third week of November, right? The week of the mm-hmm. 21st. Somewhere in there is when it's going to go. But you, you've you got games every other day through that stretch um, up until the, yeah, really all through that and into December. So if you needed to rely on Martin Jones, you could. Yep. Again, so they, they might have to go that route. Yeah, there's the overwork worry, but, but we'll see. Uh, so again, how did we go from a downer to a downer, RJ? Got to end the podcast now. Shane Wright, that's how we're going to fix this. There we go. Let's make Shane Wright uh, the, the, the closeout. Uh, topic. So we got to see Shane Wright this week. Well, thankfully, like I'm so happy. Yes, we, we finally got to see him. 14 minutes in a game. I know he, he gets a ton of ice time in that win against the Wild. He looks really good in that. He he looked even better in the game against the Penguins, in my opinion, just because he kept that decisiveness and he kept um all that stuff that I was praising him for in the Wild game. But he added in the fact that he was more aggressive and he was going towards the net and he was going into the corners and he was participating in board battles. So I felt like he he made a lot of progress there. Um, I, I think the first thing we should just ask, just to try to get it out of the way so that we don't like end on this and have it become a bummer, is <laughs> do you think he's going to play you know, t- tomorrow night for us to today for everybody listening to this against Nashville on, on the eighth. Well, I mean, way to get it out of the way. Now I that's know. some good, good foresight there, Dylan, because I think if Jared McCann is healthy, then, then no, but uh, you know, there, we don't know what Jared McCann's status is. He did practice with the team this morning. Uh, but if you look at the line rushes, McCann was kind of back on that third line with Gordon Tanev, although Kuhlman also rotated in there as well. But you look at where Shane Wright was, and he was in that placeholder spot yeah. on the Matty Beneers line for Jaden Schwartz, who was not in practice. And we kind of know the drill by now. Schwartz isn't practicing a lot. He's not taking all of the morning skates, but he's pretty you know, likely to be in the lineup uh, when the game comes around. It's more load management type of stuff. So seeing right in that placeholder spot, you know, not the best sign for him being in the lineup next game. It's really tough because, yes, when McCann is in the lineup, because I guess we didn't talk about that, right? They, they did all this this past week without Jared McCann uh, for the most part. <laughs> um, when, he's, when he's in, that, that does slide. It slides Yanni Gord back over to center, right? And, yep. with the and you're fourth, not touching that fourth line. You can't touch the fourth line right now. So, yeah, it just unfortunately, I do think it means no Shane Wright for a little while, which is unfortunate because it means nobody in Seattle gets to see him. <laughs> just, uh, it's, you know, it almost feels like they're hiding him from us. Come on. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I am afraid I have to agree with you. That said, I was very, very happy to see him for those two games. Very happy to see that he looked better than the last time we saw him. Progress is being made. All that extra work he's putting in after practices is paying off. And I'm I'm just really, really thrilled about that. And then we got the, the news that he will be moving in with Ryan Donato and family. Yeah. yeah, that was, I think, you know, as great as it was to see him in those two games, 
I think this could actually be the best new Shane Wright news of the week. Yes, for sure. Because I feel like this is the this is the thing that signals, hey, he's going to be around for a while. And it's the and it's the kind of thing where it finally feels like this is a normal situation with a rookie. Right. Like normally when you have 18 year old rookies, you don't keep them living in a hotel room forever. Right. That was one of the things that as we were like analyzing the situation, as everybody both, you know, internationally and and locally is all looking at it and everyone's going like, well, he's still at the hotel room. So maybe they aren't committed to having him around. This signals to me that they're committed to having him around because, you know, you, I, I don't think it's a huge like ask of Ryan Donato to be like, hey, can you know, you spare a bedroom? Um, but he's putting Donato out a little bit by by having to show up and 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 take care of the kid, right? And and I think that that signals that he's going to be around for a while. You're not going to do that just to send him down to the OHL in two weeks, right? Like you, you just wouldn't yeah. do that. And like I said on the post game live, this is this is how it's done. Sidney Crosby goes lives with Mario. We got uh, Cam Fowler's the other big one I think about. He went and lived with Scott Niedermeyer for two years in Anaheim as he came into the league. I, I, there's numerous examples of it, but it's it's really nice because I felt like after that Allison Lucan article where you have like Shane's mom talking about how, hey, he doesn't have school anymore. He, he, he's like trying to figure out what to do with the free time he has now that he's a professional. I feel like this is one of those things that's going to help out a ton is that he gets to learn um, kind of that pro lifestyle from somebody firsthand. Yeah, and I think Ryan Donato is a great choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as as hard as he works, and also just the kind of the different destinations he's bounced around over the course yep. of his career, he's seen a lot. I mean, he's still one of the younger players in the league, but he's seen a lot in his time in the NHL. Um, and I think you know, there's there's no better person to. I mean, Shane Wright also he already has that great work ethic too, and yeah. someone else. To, to live with someone else who shares that as well uh, is going to be huge for him. And I'm sure it's going to create a lot of great stories too. I mean, yeah. this is something I'm looking forward to covering as far as uh, just hearing the little stories that, that come from that too. Yeah, I know. I, it's uh, it's definitely interesting. I know my mind was like racing when I found out that we, when we all found out really that Maddie Bedier has been living with Will Borgen. That was, yes. that I was, was surprised by that one, but it I really love is. it. I love it so much. I am too. I think it's great. So uh, really excited about that. I, I think that that signals that, you know, it's another example of there being a plan. And it's another example of, I really think Shane Wright, you know, I believe Ron Francis when he says he wants him around this year for the full season. I think this is something that really signals that. And so we can kind of at least have that question answered for us, which is a big deal, to be honest. <laughs> Really, is to provide so much certainty. I just I think it's a good match too. Also, I believe their locker stalls in the locker room are, if not right next to each other, then Donato's just one over from Shane's. Okay, well there we go. Then it then it sounds like a a, a good match, and uh, really happy about that. And I think that probably covers everything here for this episode of the deep dive. You have something? No, I I think I mean just back to the positive. We got to end I on know. a good note. We're going streaking. Yes, we're going streaking, Dylan, through the quad. I think very fitting that the Kraken uh, have this win streak. They're going streaking uh, while I was busy at USC. You know, the famous line from old school, Will Ferrell, former US, you know, USC Trojan uh, alum. So got to tie that all together there. 
No, yeah. you, you don't like this, Dylan? No? Okay. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. we can cut this off. Now that, you, now that you're back to being like the evil empire and the football sphere and stuff, I just, I got no patience for it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Don't, don't. Back don't. where we belong. Yep. I got none. I got none for you. Um, all right. Then uh, we'll go ahead and end things here on this episode of the Deep Dive. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Thanks once again to Queen Anne Beer Hall. Promise. Promise, 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 everybody. We will have announcements coming very soon about the yes, live events very there. Soon. <laughs> we're working very very hard on that um we we really want to get that information out to everybody because we're super excited and pumped about it and we know everybody else will be too uh so definitely want to th- throw that throw that out there and then uh yeah otherwise just ready for for this game tomorrow rj see if we can keep it all going see if we can get this train rolling again at home be really cool yep looking all forward right. to it all right then we will see everybody next time in the post game for that game after Nashville should be fun. See ya. Hey everyone, before we go, we just wanted to take a moment to give a quick shout out to all of our awesome patrons over on patreon.com/emeraldcityhockey. Especially our Terror of the Deep Tier patrons, Alex, Brian, Coop, Daryl, Duthin, Eli, Gary, Jared, Joey, Joni, Joshua, Josue, Kitty B Kraken, Leanne, Maya, Paige, Paul, Rebecca, Scott, Sean, Sergeant Pickles, Striatic, Tasty Kobold, Team YMIAT, Tank Commander Ty, Tyler, and Wendy. Thank you so much for making all of this possible. We really appreciate your support.